0: Alright, Happy New Year, and welcome to Season 3 of Room 2250. My name is Anujan, and for those of you who don't remember me, back in Season 1, the final episode, I co-hosted that for the CS Town Hall. And now, finally, I'm back to restart this season and bring out more opinions, more facts, and bring the community together through this show. So... For the first episode of 2020, I'd like to welcome the Associate Undergrad Chair for the Department of Computer Science here at U of T St. George, Michelle Gregg. Hello. Hey. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Happy
0: New Year. Your message for the department for your New Year's?
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll just say Happy New Year to start.
0: Let's start with that and then we'll just go on. So a bit of facts about Professor Gregg. Arts and Science Outstanding Teaching Award of 2017, 2017, 2018, OCUFA, so the Ontario Collegiate of University Faculties Teaching Award, and the 2019 President's Teaching Award. That's a lot in the, such a short period of time. And I know most of our listeners are more familiar with you from if they've taken 209 with the PCRSC. So, do you want to talk a little bit about how sort of that PCRSC?
1: PCRSC came together? Oh, sure. Came together, and
0: you wanted, uh, like, becoming that, the face for basically PCRSC.
1: I didn't intend originally to be the face for for that, um, but it was a really fun project. Um, I I really like that course. I love teaching C, and uh, the hard part about making... All those videos was that i wanted to make something that would get used by not just me but by other people who would teach the course after me or beside me at the same time and there's uh, so much stuff like that pedagogical res- resources that cre- get created that are so uniquely tied to the person who created them that nobody else will ever use them so uh somebody makes something and somebody says, oh, that's good, but I can't use it because they didn't do this this way. And so a huge piece of that project was actually polling people and coming to consensus or some amount of consensus on how we would present things. So someone would write a script on how we were going to teach this particular thing. And we would run it by three or four other faculty members who would all edit it, change it, whatever. And then I would record it and record the headshot for it so it might be my voice and my face that people see in 209 but it is everybody's work it is not like I cannot take credit for that Andrew Peterson and Karen Reed and Dan Zangaro and Paul Grease well maybe Paul wasn't involved but a whole bunch of faculty were all part of creating those videos Um, and my job I used to say when we were in the middle of it there was about 14 people involved some students and some faculty and I would say that my job is really to just get everyone to march in the same direction (laughs) so I wasn't the brains behind PCRSC I was the voice and the marching commander
0: (laughs) yeah because the whole PCR system has been a staple for like most of the undergraduate like yeah if you're doing CS it's like 108 148 and even I remember 258 used had a few videos and activities right. as well, so.
1: Well, we had to make some changes in the system for it to run C code, mm-hmm. and make some interesting design changes. Yeah. So there was some technical work behind that, but then there was also the pedagogical work of how do you break up teaching C, in what order do you teach it, what, yeah. what examples do you do, how do you put it, how do you segment it? Um, that was also quite fun.
0: Of course as well as uh, being part of the CS education research group. So a little bit about sort of your education research and sort of like I I was checking, you actually co-written four papers in 2019 as well. So along with a huge list of CS education research. So.
1: So the CS education research is really not my primary thing because research is not my primary focus. My job as a teaching student faculty member is primarily to uh, teach undergraduate students for 80% of my job normally when I'm not associate chair, and 20% is service to the department. Um, So the the CS ed research or computing ed research that I do is really because I like it or because it's fun or as an opportunity to uh, teach project students. So I use it as a vehicle for running 494 projects um, and teaching students. I have one on the go right now with a couple of students that were having great fun doing kind of a taxonomy of loop problems, thinking about what are the dimensions uh, of how loops can vary, and if we taught those dimensions, for example, you can have a loop that breaks out early Mm -hmm. or a loop where you have to continue examining every element in the whole Mm -hmm. loop. If you taught those dimensions to students or made them focused their attention on the dimensions of the problem, would they have an easier time writing the solution, actually writing the code? So that's what we're looking at right now.
0: Wow. Okay. So your advice for students that want to get into a 494, how to like, approach you oh, or another prof?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is that to, to consider what topic you're really interested in, but then also somebody that you know from a class you took with them where you were active and participating in the class, and then um, asking them about whether they have a project or uh, whether, they, whether they would supervise a project that you have in mind.
0: Cool. All right, so, so this, this episode, we're going to break it up into about four different sections. So we're going to talk about post-2020 for incoming students, followed up by post for the current students. So it's currently January 15th, 2020, so in case the people look at this episode three or four years in the future. This is, we're going to talk in the second section about post for people that were admitted in the fall of 2019 and are applying for post in March of 2020. Then we're going to talk about Department of Affairs in a bit of a retrospective. It's the beginning of a new decade. So our last topic will be about DCS, CS, and U of T in the next decade looking forward. So first, uh, the thing that everyone wants to know, new post. So I'm going to go over, so if you've not already read it, the department has written up, a good piece on all the new changes, so we're going to go over that, we're going to disperse that with questions from the community, and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so first of all, give a little overview of that, again, these these new changes are effective for people that are being admitted for CS under the CS program in September of 2020. So two parts of changes. There's an admission guarantee and new courses. So everyone in the Comp 1 admission category are guaranteed a place in the CS specialist, major, or minor of their choice after first year, provided that they have met this certain condition. This has been made to eliminate competition among Comp 1 students for positions in the department's undergraduate programs. The department's hoping that this will improve student well-being by being a strong sense of community among the cohort and reducing their stress. So all students that come in in September will complete the exact same two and a half credits of core courses: CSC 110Y1F, CSC 111H1S, and Math 137 and 157, and we will have three and a half credits worth of electives.
1: Or 157. You don't. Have- or 157. <laughs>
0: There is a choice. And you can as well go into 157, drop down to 137 that's in of its own. So we actually had a question. First of all, in terms of the 137, 157, why did the department want to make 137 mentoring now? The pass and on the flip side, why make it a pass instead of a higher cutoff like the Ascents for?
1: Okay, so we've always wanted CS students to have the more theoretical math course and, um, and most of them actually take 137 and, uh, or 157. Um, but when we held focus groups with students about these new incoming program changes, uh, we heard from students who came into CS having done an, the easier, more applied versions of the calculus course and they wished that they had been told or had taken 137. So that was part of our motivation um, for making it required for the Comp 1 students in the new program uh, design. The reason we don't require then Math 137 for all our program students is that we don't want to discourage students who discover CS after they get to U of T and then they have to, and have already taken an alternative calculus. Uh, Requiring them to go back and take 137 as an extra credit would be just a, a bigger hurdle for them.
0: So out of stream, anyone coming from outside the admission category would be okay with 135? 136?
1: Yeah. So the admission to the CS post Mm -hmm. for outside of Comp 1, not part of this guarantee, still only requires the same calculus as before.
0: Okay. So the the overall program requirements for that- And the program
1: requirements for graduation haven't changed. But the program requirements for admission for the giving the guarantee from the Comp 1 category requires 137 because most students take it and we really want you to take it. <laughs> and our students say, You should have told me I needed 137. Not needed, but I would have been better off with 137.
0: Yeah, through some of the upper year courses with a bit more heavier math focus. That's right. Well. So, yeah, I know. If if the admission, <laughs> if the graduation requirements change, I bet a lot more people will be up in arms. <laughs> I don't want to retake 137, but. All right, and there was one more question going with the rest of the admission guarantee. Let's actually do that. Okay. So the admission guarantee is as follows. For the specialist to major, by the end of the fr- their first year, Comp 1 students must complete four credits at least, complete CSC 101 Y1 with a final mark of at least 70, CSC 111 with a file mark of at least 77 and a pass in 137 or 157. So the minor will have 110 and 111 with at least 70%. So you're anticipating that the vast majority of students will meet these requirements of the first year and will be admitted to the specialist major and minor. In fact, if every student meets the admission guarantee conditions then every student will be admitted and in both for that.
1: That's right, so in that way the students aren't competing students in the comp one cohort Mm -hmm. that have been admitted in that category aren't competing with each other for spots
0: they're just sort of competing against themselves yeah they're working
1: and so they they have to achieve that that vast level of mastery of the material to be able to do well and to get be accepted to continue in the program but they're not saying i have to do better than you saying i myself have to do this well
0: so in, in terms of like Course averages for those two courses. Are we? Is there a sense of being in a certain average, or sort of any average will do? In that sense,
1: what do you mean? Sorry, I okay. mean the average okay. for okay. the students, like yeah, the f- for the students. So the so students like need t- a seventy-seven. Of- we don't anticipate that the course will be um, harder or easier than our current sort of the kind of other courses in CS, like. 165 and 148 and 108 etc so where our ex- expectation really is yeah. that 80 percent at least of the students will go on to to take it to a second year and probably more than that will qualify but lots of people decide they don't want to well not lots but a number of people who take come in in comp one decide that they'd like
0: to pursue something else at the university so first question on that is sort of how is it possible that the DCS managed to expand this much in a year to be able to change post requirements like this? Okay. Or is it a big change?
1: So two things here. One is that it's not just a year. We've been talking about this for a long time and working towards it for a long time. We started mm-hmm. formal meetings with the dean's office in the fall of 2018 to make this happen. Um, so it's not just, oop, we'll just change everything <laughs> Let's just change everything
0: tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a long, slow process to get governance approval. And you'll notice even on the bottoms of the website that it says yeah, still pending, pending governance approval because there is one more meeting that we have to get a final stamp of approval on it. But we were given permission to go ahead and at least spread this because we want this message out to the All right, guys, councils,
0: if you don't approve this.
1: <laughs> um, so, but then to answer your real question yeah. was, how is this possible to do the growing? This actually isn't that much growth because we're still going to accept 550 students into the combination of the, speci- the specialist programs and the major into second year. Mm-hmm. And that is consistent for the last couple of years before. Um, back two years ago, that number was 500 And then we were given more resources from the dean to be able to expand by 10% up to 550. Uh Um, But that's not a, this change to this new admission Mm -hmm. system doesn't change that number at all.
0: So is it, so like before when we used to be admitting X number of high school students, the averages for admitting into post were like mid 80s at this point of last year. So like being able to decrease that without any additional in terms of space, like how, how did the department manage to do that?
1: Okay, I think I see what you're asking. Yeah. Um, so the, one of the big differences is that we're accepting fewer students from high school into the Comp 1 admission category. Okay. So now if we're anticipating that 80% of the students in that admission group in that cohort are going to continue on to second year that group starts off smaller
0: okay so it'll be a smaller high school group to start a off a smaller
1: group starts the C, the comp one cohort is smaller
0: okay so in terms of that so making the cohort smaller that would in, of course increase the that means high we school. can
1: make a commitment to those students yeah. that they're uh, only with competing with themselves they're going to say if they meet the guarantee that they're that they can have a spot in second year.
0: So do you anticipate that the out-of-stream afterwards would be increasing in terms of that, that to supplement it?
1: Increasing?
0: The the cutoff average for...
1: Well, you, you can never know <laughs> what the requirements will yeah. be. Um, the, the number, that, that requirement, the grade requirements on the supplemental application requirements for students that... Um, aren't in Comp 1 that apply to our program depends on who applies okay. in that given
0: year. So then, I guess the other question we had here is true that half the spots are to be reserved for those coming direct from high school and half for out of stream via that supplemental application. Okay. I assume that that's yeah, so no, taken out of context. Yes,
1: yeah. so no spots are ever reserved, okay. um, but we're accepting about 340 students into the Comp 1 admission category. and We have 550 spots in the combination of the two specialists, the regular computer science specialist and the data science specialist and the major. Mm -hmm. And that's the same as it was before. And so if we're right that about 80 percent of the students will meet the guarantee and want to continue, and 20% yeah. of them either won't meet the guarantee or will decide they want to do something else, then that would be about 275 students coming from the cohort carrying on into second year, which would leave about 275 spots for students who weren't in Comp 1. And that's about the number that have been coming into our program from the um, from admission categories other than Comp 1 in past years. So we don't really expect that the requirements change that much on the, those same students. There should be about the same number coming in from that source.
0: Okay, so so the, the Varsity sadly got, sort of mistook the comment in that sense of saying 50%, but at least it would be the department hopes. Yeah, our expectations,
1: would, our guesses that approximately it should be 50, approximately. 50. Um, but let me emphasize, right, yeah. that if all the Comp 1 students...
0: Get in, got
1: in and decided that this is where they want to be because they've developed into such a tight cohort because of the efforts we're putting into building the community. Yeah. Um, then they would all get in, and if uh, then that And that's still like even if, if
0: everyone from Comp 1 got in, that's that's 340. 3, 340, which that is a still little over 60 percent. 210 yeah. for
1: for coming in from other sources. Yeah.
0: At least 30 or more percent yeah. of out of stream students to be able to come in. So we've skirted around the supplementary, 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 so let's talk a little bit about the high school supplementary. We had one high schooler, I'm pretty sure that this is a high school student, write in saying, so they're kind of confused about the supplementary question. It's just four kind of, in their words, irrelevant questions. But they thought that supplementary application is where you put down your extracurricular activities and being a way to differentiate us, uh, differentiate them from the competition. Competition. What are your expectations of what you want the supplementary to do? Or whether this is a DCS thing versus a arts and science?
1: Oh, okay. So first of all, let me say it is an arts and science supplementary. So they control, um, the faculty office sets what the supplementary is and grades it and makes the decisions about it. Um, but I can tell you some stuff about it. Yeah. Not entirely. but um, So some universities do ask for extracurriculars directly and mm-hmm. even in some parts of this university do I think engineering does um, and students submit a sort of a laundry list of the things that they've accomplished the things that they've done and one of the reasons that we haven't gone this route is that we want to know about the qualities of the student where you're admitting not just the opportunities that they've had so students who come from privileged backgrounds are hugely advantaged by that that sort of supplemental mm-hmm. They've had all sorts of opportunities to do exciting sounding things. But a student who's grown up in a rural community or uh, had to do farm chores or had to support their family or um, look after their younger siblings, they may have developed the same sort of personal characteristics that we're looking for that will help them succeed at university and we want to give them a chance on this. I think we want to, um, and I know that arts and science has given them a chance to express that um, and show that sort of thing in
0: those questions. So at least being able to, you want to see what, the, the type of people rather than, like their personal characteristics rather right. than whether you're privileged or not, or what, what you've done, but sort of who you are in a
1: sense. That's correct.
0: All right. I'm going to go into supplementary about <laughs> this year's supplementary a little bit later so that we don't confuse everybody, including myself. <laughs> so another question about that supplementary is that, so someone wrote in saying, supplementary applications in high school can be very noisy and biased metrics. We don't know whether the student fills out themselves, how much coaching they got, or how the biases of the person reading the application affect their chances of being admitted. So how does the department, or well, let's maybe change that now to being, how does arts and science intend to sort of minimize the effects in evaluating these supplementary applications?
1: So, like, as you noted, yeah. this is the domain of the Faculty of Arts and Science Registrar's office. So they set it, they grade the answers, and make the decision about who gets in. But I do know that they used a research-supported process, um, and they hired experienced consultants to develop the process, and that it involves multiple readers reading each question. When they differ more than a certain amount, then another reader is involved. Um, I also know that those readers were given bias training. Okay. Um, and Although that doesn't completely remove bias, I would actually argue that the supplementary scores that they're using are probably less prone to bias than high school grades are.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. We all know grade inflation is a real thing at this point. (laughs) At this point, yes, grade inflation and that. So, It's very interesting how other universities do that thing as well, but it's interesting to know that at least the university is at least taking steps to at least make sure that they're not as biased as they could be. So, let's talk about these new courses. So, there are two new courses, CSC 110 and 111. So, my understanding from that was that these courses, they're replacing the 108, 148, and 165
1: for the new cohorts. That's correct, ones. for the new cohort, yeah.
0: So, very interestingly, CSC 101 is a Y1F. So, it mentions inside the drop-down that it's a full-course equivalent, but taken only in the fall semester, or a double course. It will consist of six hours of lecture and two hours of small group labs each week. So, what was the sort of process to say, okay, so, basically, high school students would have to say, I'm taking 101 in the fall, but they have to well, that's sorry. okay. <laughs> it's not 101, 110 I'm sorry. <laughs> cse 110 and say, okay, that's taking basically two courses. That's replacing like my 108 and 165 or 140 and 165 if people
1: currently have Well, people. remember they're not they haven't even been here. So they're not yeah. thinking of replacing other courses. Yeah, they're yeah. just saying that's taking two of my five slots. Yes. I'm going to take this course that is A typical
0: first year Course load or a full a, year course load should be a, a,
1: for typical first year student should take five courses in the fall term, yeah. at like five half credits. But, mm-hmm. um, and so the new cohort will take one of the two of those five will be one ten y one f, and then one will be their first half of one thirty seven or one fifty seven, and then they have two electives
0: of their choices.
1: So they're going to spend three fifths of their time with the same people. In a cohort, um, and
0: get ready to make friends, people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that's part of the motivation for it is that we really yeah. wanted the students to have the very same people, be the same group, the same instructor, and build a, a much stronger community where they can help each other and really work together and learn to work together.
0: So this one is combining both the practical Python program with the theory. So, or that I'm saying that correctly, right? So yeah. How did that sort of come around to say okay let's let's merge these together into like one one course in a sense. So to okay. me it's like it's a very unique thing like course to combine both practical and theory so deeply in, in knowing those two contents.
1: Yeah, we're super excited about that because we think it will be really great for the students to learn the theory and learn the programming right hand in hand so that they're learning at the right time instead of saying well in your other course you ought to be doing this right now or has your prof in this shown you this thing yet cuz it mm-hmm. connects but instead saying here's an example and now we'll do the analysis of it or, or right Being at the able same to, time
0: to meld that theory and practical
1: one of the reasons that we couldn't do that before was because people take 108 and 148 for lots of other programs at this university. Mm-hmm. So other disciplines require learning to code. They don't need to know prepositional logic. They don't want to know <laughs> the content of writing proofs in 165 because they don't really want to know computer science. They, they just want to want know code. programming. And so we couldn't put that level of theory, that great integration into all of our first year courses. But when we realized that we were going to make separate courses for this cohort and that we were still going to offer 108, 148, 165, then we were free to design the new 1.5 half credits of courses, to design design them specifically for students who wanted to be in CS, who would take all of that material and know that. And then we were we sort of... Took off the constraints of you have to put the programming in one course in one piece that someone can do it without the other piece, Um, and we took all the learning objectives for all the courses and said, if like forgetting everything else, if you have these students for this many hours, how is the best way to present this material and to teach it? And then we had lots of. So being able to sort
0: of utilize the fact that they are taking one, they They are, they will be all of them are doing
1: the same one point five courses, and they're all aiming. To continue into being a computer scientist.
0: And being able to sort of not be constrained by the fact that, oh, yeah, this is oh, a programming might, course and this yeah, is a pure Yeah, because
1: in our other courses, we have students who um, are taking some completely different, they're taking biology, but they would really like to learn to code. And so when you're designing 108, you're thinking, okay, some of this class are people that want to be software developers. And some of this class are people who this is their only computer programming course they will ever take. And so you're, you're fighting trying to meet the balance, the the. balance that's the right, balance the needs of, of those two groups and many other groups. There are a number of reasons why people take
0: courses. So for every high schooler listening, the site has a sample timetable. Look at it carefully when you're doing course enrollment because it gives that overview for the 137, 157 and then the 2CS courses as well. So, or at least what was the reasoning behind like having the full year in the fall rather than the winter?
1: Just... Oh, in the fall rather than the winter? Yeah. Uh, because we think that the students in, who, the type of student who applies to be in Comp 1 mm-hmm. usually is super keen and wants to get started. And it would be a really slow start a disservice. <laughs> if, if we only had, the, we wanted to have 1.5 in total. Mm-hmm. And if we put the 0. 0.5 in the fall and yeah. the one in the winter then the 0.5 in the fall wouldn't even finish all the 108 programming material because you'd have it plus a bunch of theory yeah, yeah, yeah. and it would be just such a slow start for people that are keen and want to get going yeah,
0: yeah of course um,
1: we did discuss it at length yeah because the small disadvantage to that model is that if students ever having trouble adjusting to university it's a lot of
0: it's a lot of work. A
1: lot of work. Very soon. Yeah. And so, for the high schools who are lis- high schoolers who are listening, <laughs> you need to come prepared to put in two course loads worth of homework. Yeah. This this is a double course. I
0: <laughs> it think it's a, a, that, that mindset of like even just like beyond university course, like like high school, you would never get like a sort of this sort of double class. That's more and even even in university setting, this is fairly it's a bit unusual. A bit unusual. Unless you've been taking like summer school courses where you've noticed the full year ones are condensed within that one summer session. Similar in terms of that. But it, it's going to be an interesting way for high schoolers to sort of cope with that ability. And I, I'm seeing from here from what I'm reading is that at least the department's trying to make sure that with the faculty advisors. Yeah, that's the, exactly why partial,
1: and, partly why we have a faculty advisor assigned to that cohort so that they can be right...
0: Make sure that they're
1: be there to help students get off to a good start get off and continue
0: good start so we've sort of jumped around a lot on that so so what happens to students who want to skip one away so to okay. me when i've seen it it's like you've got the people that will take one away 148 165 so one away in fall semester and then 148 165 in this sp- the winter semester and then you got those some people that are like, okay, no, I already have the programming experience. Let me go directly into 148 165. And then do like 207. And then there are some that are take 207 or 240, like that in the winter.
1: So they're... Um,
0: I put a lot of in that all, one, sorry.
1: That's okay. <laughs> so nothing's changed for students who are not part of the Comp 1 cohort. So other students at the university could still take 108 or they could still say, I know some coding and I want to take another programming course, but I took one in high school and I want to start right with 148. Um, So there's no, uh, and there's no 108 for Comp one students—they don't even there's no 148, there's no 165. They don't—they're not allowed to take those courses. They have to take 110 and 111. So um, probably the question you actually wanted to ask me (laughs) is not what's happening with what about the students who don't want to take 108, but what about students in Comp one who already know how to program? Yes. Um, How are you planning to accommodate them at the same time as the students who know all kinds of programming? Yeah. And that's a really hard question and one we spent a lot of time grappling with when we were designing that course. Because we, we took all these learning objectives and we said, what about the students who, who already it? know a fair chunk of this programming? And, and what about the students who really don't know any programming? And we still want those students. We still are inviting mm-hmm. students who don't know programming, yeah. but are strong high school students and want to study computer science to apply to the Comp 1 stream. Um, so it's getting rarer to find a student who knows no coding and wants to be in computer science because there are lots of online opportunities to learn some. Yeah. But there are still students who come from schools that didn't offer any well, Yeah, which is which is really surprising to me that
0: even in like today it's like there are still high schools that don't offer There's lots. Uh, high schools are
1: really so. constrained for resources in yeah. particular qualified teachers. Yeah. And so
0: <laughs> high school teaching does not pay as well as industry. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah and
1: and all kinds and there's of a lot of stuff um but so the, the fact is though that we yeah. will have students come in the comp one cohort with no who, programming, with with very little programming now we will encourage those students to try to do some online stuff over the summer not require it we'll still mm-hmm. start as if everybody has none in some sense but to try to not be further disadvantage to do some, a little bit of online prep, to, so they're a little more familiar. But more importantly, we'll start 110, uh, right kind of where 108 would start. Mm. But at the same time, there'll be theory stuff that starts in that very first week, too, as part of integrated with it. And mm-hmm. so I think the students that already know how to code will have it easier, because they're yeah. going to know some of it. Um, but they will also have things to learn to keep them from being bored in week one, and oh. they're not competing in any way for spots yeah. in the program, so it's totally in their interest to to help the students around them to learn to co-program, to build that community yeah. um, by by working together with them on things.
0: So, like, sort of like in terms of like content covering speed, like, would it be very similar to like 108's sort of pace, or would it be a more? Enhanced pace in terms
1: Well, by the end of the 1.5 credits, we'll have covered the same content. So it can't be that much faster or slower. Mm -hmm. Um, They... Yeah. I think that's all I can say. So let me add that we we really struggled with this and grappled with this decision for a long time uh, because we know that streaming... By, by yeah. streaming, I mean offering multiple entry points into your program is really good for students from underrepresented groups. Yeah. That if um, if they have to start at the very same place as people who have had loads of other experience or maybe it's underrepresented groups just also correlates with having had less opportunity yeah. uh, and less previous experience. So it's not that they're underrepresented. It's that they've had previ- less previous experience. But those students benefit from streaming. Yeah. Um, but they also benefit from a cohort. And we struggled with the the trade-off here and decided it was a really hard choice, but in the end we decided that building the community and um, perhaps holding back in some sense the the students who had already learned to code initially was a trade-off that we were willing to make to make the community stronger. One option for students who um, are particularly strong is to take 240 as one of their electives in the second term
0: in the winter semester in the
1: winter semester so if they're finding that um
0: they that 110
1: it, uh, was actually really easy for them and they did great and they're keen to move on they yeah. can take
0: 240 in the well winter. in in terms of a theory in terms of theory because yes, 240 is a theory course yes
1: they will have yep. had a good sense of the theory because they'll have had <laughs> half Half of their 110 yeah. will be theory and half will be coding. Yeah. Um, they'll be able to so do So if that. they're
0: really keen on yeah. advanced theory, they can take that but,
1: too. Yeah.
0: In terms of for programming, is there any options for them opening no, up? No,
1: because they're still doing the...
0: They're still doing that The one, prereq work.
1: T- the reason they can go ahead with 240 in the spring is because it starts... It also starts essentially from zero. Right. Because as, but they can't go ahead with two oh seven.
0: Because it requires one forty eight.
1: It, 148, it requires one forty eight or one eleven which yeah, they're in the process of finishing.
0: Okay, so we've talked about the actual new courses. So about the faculty advisors. So so in the department's original Statement. I can pull up that back. So, the newly designated comp one faculty advisor will oversee the delivery of the new courses and provide mentorship to this cohort. We'll be providing guidance, programming on topics such as choosing courses and programs, adjusting to the university, managing time, handling stress, extracurricular activities, and developing healthy strategies for success as a UFT student. So, is it basically the same as like Flick faculty members, or is this more of a in depth?
1: Um, it's quite a bit larger job than a Flick faculty. Um, A Flick faculty advisor could do any of those things but they typically don't and at least they don't initiate it Mm -hmm. as much as the if a student wanted to come to them they could certainly go to a Flick advisor for those things um, and they should yeah but um, the Comp 1 faculty advisor will be quite a bit more involved and more intentional. Um, They will the, the plan is for them to meet really intentionally uh, and one-on-one with every student who in 110 is sort of between 70 and 77 so Mm -hmm. it looks like they may not be on track to get their 77 and 111 but they've been Mm -hmm. allowed to continue by getting the 70 and 110 and to meet with them one-on-one and say how uh, How What's your plan how are we gonna make sure that you do this How help them develop good uh, or maybe revise their studying um, because we really want to help those students make sure everybody succeeds make
0: sure that one succeeds all right so we've talked a little bit well about the implications for out of stream students in the new post so if i may just sort of summarize that is that for out of stream students there are basically no changes other than the fact that they will have to write a supplementary application as they're applying into the post and they still need 148 165 and a math either 135 136 or 137 157 that's right all right and supposedly no other huge changes for now so do you expect the post cutoff to increase next year for out stream I know it's a tough question to answer but um I don't know if you've ran any simulations <laughs> if you applied yeah. it well
1: there's reasons why it could go up or could go down, yep. you really can't know. Of course. I, I won't speculate a guess on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer.
0: <laughs> so, there's one thing that I also remember to mention as well about, so for data science. So, supposedly new as well is that there will be a... 20 of 50 available spaces will be reserved for Comp 1 students. There's no guarantee that if they can get into the Data Science Specialist, but 20 of the 50 available spaces will be in for Comp 1. So, currently, from the Data Science Specialist, they require 148, 137, 157, and Stats 130, with a minimum of 70% in each to be competitive. So, it the the application process is still the same as current post where it's the top x
1: so for the for the data science program Mm -hmm. it uses uh, your uh, stats mark Mm
0: -hmm.
1: your math mark or calculus mark and then if you're in the comp1 cohort you're 111 mark yeah or if you're not in the comp1 cohort you're 148 148. mark Um, and we will if 20 or more students from the
0: comp one, comp
1: one stream get the 70% in the stats and the math and the 77 in 111 then we will promise to admit at least the top 20, top 20. from the comp one cohort even if the calculated average of the three marks is higher for more than from from students in the other admission categories so we're trying to make a commitment to the students who come in the Comp 1 cohort and are hoping to study data Data science science. that um, they they can know that if they get the 70 in math and 70 in stats and the 77 in 111 that we will we would would like to say then you can study data science we can't say that for sure because we only have 50 Data science, data science spots, and so um, we can't say all 340 of you can study it if you meet this guarantee. Yeah. And we and the data science, the people leading the data science program, still want it to be um, open to students who didn't really want computer science at all. Yeah, um, really, only wanted.
0: Or stats, science, or, or math. Or, like the yeah. students who come
1: to study stats and then say, "Oh, well, I'll take a computing course because I really want data science," and so they were—they don't even want to uh, don't want to guarantee fifty of the spots because they want yeah. some spots for the other. So their so the their agreement was that twenty
0: at 20, least twenty
1: at least twenty spots and maybe more because maybe if, more the if the students in the cohort the high grades as yeah. uh, high grades as the other ones, then it could be more than twenty.
0: Lots, lots of options for first years coming in. It's a, it's a lot of information to digest. If, CS, if high school students have any questions about these changes or that, who can they reach out to?
1: They can reach out to our undergrad office, and there's an um, email, I think, on the website that describes yeah. the changes.
0: So, yes, ug.cs.toronto.edu. If you have any questions about that, feel free to send them an email, and they'll get to it.
1: maybe not this week as students that are currently here are still keeping that office extremely busy with course changes and schedules (laughs)
0: 165 new section let's just leave it at that so enough about the future for now we're already an hour into this episode and let's continue so currently the post for current students so this year the department's instituting a new supplementary application for first years as well that are applying it to the post. So, so currently there are a few new changes. So one is the supplementary application. Another is that there is only one application session that they can do, which is after an I believe it's early April, May. Yes. Yes. And so summer will only allow you to use those grades the following year. That's right. So, what steps are being taken to ensure that people who are currently trying to make posts but won't will not be affected negatively affected when trying again in the future?
1: So, in general, we yeah. don't encourage people to try again in the future. <laughs> That's why we stopped accepting second year courses for post admission. Oh, so, it was like so we used to accept two hundred seven and two thirty six in re- as replacements for the first year marks and say, oh, you can try again uh-huh. and. Trying again makes a lot of sense when you're not a resource-constrained program. So if it's like getting your driver's license and you don't get your driver's license, and I say, we can try again, and you can try again, and you can try again, because it doesn't affect anyone else. But basically, in general, when a student applies for the program and they don't get in, and the major or the specialist our encouragement is that it's time to move to make some other plans to move on to something else um, so which might be a minor and so there's lots of other fabulous things that you can study at U of T and the, the fact is that not everyone can study computer science. Um, and the we, sad
0: reality. It is
1: a sad reality. We simply don't have the resources to take more students in our upper year courses and just saying, well, you can all try again next time. Doesn't really solve that. It's problem. like after,
0: after two or three years, it's like, well, <laughs> after that,
1: even after one year, I think it's time to look at your other options.
0: All right. So main thing is, is about this supplementary that like, when I was pulling for questions, a lot of questions I got was like, okay, what is a supplementary? What is it consisting of? What's the waiting? All those wonderful questions. So, you mentioned okay. that the the high school application is administered by Arts and Science. Yes. This one, is that going to be similar or will DCS be?
1: DCS will be administering it. Um, and the details of the questions will be released in March. Um, in general, they'll be the same style of questions as the FAS, the Faculty mm-hmm. of Arts and Science Supplemental Application that's used from high school into Comp 1. So there'll be a few questions where you write a paragraph, or maybe two paragraphs, um, about your own experiences. The weight of the supplemental is not public, but grades will still be a significant factor in it. So grades will still be a big proportion of it. Um, there's nothing that students need to do to prepare, so we'll be asking you to reflect on experiences that you've had, and things that you've already had. and. We're looking to learn more about students as whole people, about who they are, not what they've done, as you said yes. before. Um, one important thing is that there's no technical content. So it's not CS specific questions. We're not going to ask you, oh, if you have. No, no leak code, no hash <laughs> rank. Yeah, please explain <laughs> this link list, etc.
0: Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So at least, so uh, at least, like in terms of for students to be able to say, so it's more about them in a sense so how, how do you sort of quantify that like in terms of like saying okay well is it sort of like saying like a supplementary so I guess I'm trying to go in with the waiting and feel free to not answer that either. yeah I can else. I just can't <laughs> say
1: because um, that's not going to be public how much yeah. the supplementary application counts versus how much the grades count uh, but I can reassure people that grades are a significant piece, so you still want to do well in your courses.
0: And there will be bias training. For <laughs> <anyone>. <laughs> and there
1: will be bias training for their readers. Um, yeah, you still want to do well in your courses, yeah. um, but you shouldn't be. Um, I'm, one of the things I'm hoping to get across to people is that they they needn't panic about their like every last. You know like oh this matters because it's a it's not like a piece of yeah you are more than your grades
0: yeah so i guess it's like a lot of people are just thinking it's like well how much more do i need to be more than my grades <laughs> it's like everyone wants but to sort can of quantify you do to, like
1: you, can, you can't do something to be more yeah. than your grades it's who you are
0: so sort of like what are the characteristics are you sort of looking for
1: um they're things that our faculty members decided were important skill or not skills but um characteristics for computer science beyond technical skills I can't say more than that because I can't I don't want people writing their answers I don't want you to, to start leaking stuff yeah here. I, well I don't want people writing their answers saying oh they're looking for this I'll say that I'm this or I'll make this up
0: so you want people to be as truthful as they are with those yeah, responses
1: of course <laughs>
0: believe me there will be people that will fake answers
1: um, well if- just like any unsupervised work in any course um, it's open to people presenting other
0: other people's oh, plagiarism that aren't
1: quite right um, and we know that yeah um and just like in our courses we plan to have processes in place to detect and identify and follow up on suspicious answers
0: if everyone, all right everybody if you're all writing the exact same answer don't yeah. <laughs> there's no one right answer i guess
1: there is no one right answer absolutely not
0: all right
1: there's no one right answer that we're looking for at all, anyway.
0: Anything else you want to mention about for this year's? No, let's. We got
1: lots of. We've been long, talking a long time, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So next, so next topic about sort of department affairs and looking back. So, a lot of questions that people have is like, how can they be involved with the department? Personally, I'm a DCS ambassador, so I I can speak to that. But for you, like. How can students be involved in the permit
1: okay so you mentioned yep. ambassadors that's a yep. great way to get involved no not everybody can do that not everybody <laughs> can apply yeah um, or anyone can apply and same with flicks which is the first year learning mm. communities or slicks the second year learning communities if you're in first year now I'd strongly encourage you to
0: apply for s- apply SLIC. for
1: a slick next year um, uh, separate from that there's tons of clubs that you can join if uh, clubs that are about particular interests like the Gaming club, or the there's a board games, and also an online games, and yeah. that might be the same like the... There's an undergrad research,
0: research. association.
1: Uh, there's an AI group that's quite thriving. Um, and then on top of all that, there's the CSSU, the Computer Science Student yeah. Union. And if you don't know of any of the other clubs, you can get your butt down there to the CSSU and say, I want to be involved. What do I do? And they'll get you involved in things.
0: Come to the CSSU. There we go. That's the CSSU club <laughs> for today.
1: Um, Yeah, and it makes a huge difference. To your university experience to get involved in a few things other than just your courses
0: yeah and I think that's like a lot of people like afterwards they're like oh I wish I did other things outside just outside of academics alone and I think it's like along with the department with their first year experience and all that and the, the building up of flicks and slicks and that, that, that introspective of saying community and what is, does that mean and especially since you've came on as well. There's been a lot of focus on that that word of CS community.
1: If, if your reason for being here is um, just to get a job, you should still get involved in one of these clubs because <laughs> it's important on your resume and for having something to talk about in your interview. Um, but more than that, I think your university experience shouldn't be just about getting a job. If you like computer science and tech, then you are in an amazing position that what you like is going to be employable down the road. And so you should not be worried about that and instead be really f- focused on the on the enjoyment of learning the material and the spending time with the broader community and all the other amazing stuff that there is to learn at university. You shouldn't be in university for as a like precursor to the rest of your life. This is the rest of your life, like enjoy these years right now. Not just, I'm not saying just yeah. party all the time, but get out of them the, the value that you have, like really experience all the stuff that's here at, at U of T because it's amazing. Um, and take advantage of that and don't just say, oh, I'm just only studying this stuff for the future. Because like the future's now, do it, enjoy the future's it. Future's now, now. Do it. there <laughs> yeah, we go. A that. bit, that's a bit tacky. Maybe you could take that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping that. <laughs> it's good. So, in terms of flicks and slicks, so flicks are still happening for next year's cohort. As yeah, well. I
1: haven't quite figured out what to do about flicks for next year's cohort because the the cohort itself yeah, we'll will be have much parts. of the components of flicks, but I think the flicks office and some of the materials they provide will still be relevant to the comp one cohort. And then I'm not sure about whether we still do a flick for people who come from other
0: other fields. other
1: s- disciplines because maybe they want to be together in the courses, but they explicitly came to U of T not saying I want to study computer yeah. science and so it isn't quite clear and I have that's still to be determined.
0: Still to be determined on what we're doing with
1: the Slicks professor. we're definitely doing next
0: Slicks course. are still happening. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Flicks, stay tuned, first years. We'll figure out, they'll figure out something. So, in terms of community, we have two more questions on community. So, that one category says Intuitively, what percentage of students enrolled in computer science programs do you think are interested in building community with other CS students versus how many are happy making friends with their college or other extracurriculars or etc.? And do you think this is worth thinking about in efforts to build community? So, I'd like to thank whoever submitted, like, four questions they were very good questions including this one yeah
1: that's a great question so as i mentioned earlier we're putting a lot of effort into building more community among the first year cs students with the hopes that that will translate into deeper community in upper years for that group um but uh i also i've been keen on developing community even in the like not just starting with the next guys that are coming in, but even yeah. for you guys that are here yeah. now. Um, as evidenced by that call from our students a few terms ago for a yeah. separate CS convocation, Yes, it's clear that many of our students want to make computer science their home. That is, yeah. the, pu- that is the community with which they primarily identify. Um, but this question's a good one because at the same time, we're a really big group. There's like more than three thousand computer science undergrads, which and amazes
0: me every time I see that number. That's huge. That's <laughs> it
1: a lot of people. Think about the size of your high school.
0: That's and more. That's three times my high school. Yeah, it's three
1: times. That's like three high schools worth of students. That's and so big. we can have a community within CS, and there still can be lots of students who have different interests, and so um, you don't have to identify. With other CS students as your primary community, in order to study CS or to belong here. So there are other communities, our students mm. in our CS courses, in our CS um, programs, mm. who think of their college as their primary community, and or who think of their sports team as their primary community or their religious group or whatever it is. And that's okay. They don't have to, not all 3,000 students have to identify...
0: As one big group.
1: As, like, my main who I am is the CS student. Maybe my main who I am is a Trinity student. And that's okay. I'm more concerned about the student who doesn't have a home community, who needs to fit in somewhere. And I'm also concerned about the student who thinks I don't want to study CS because I don't fit into that community because they're still welcome to be part of it even if that's not their only thing like they can still you can still say primarily I am a French major and I'm in the French I don't know I'm picking French I don't know I mean I'm let's say the French department they'll like it
0: it's so far away from here
1: (laughs) a specialist in French and that's who I identify with and that's when I when I I'm asked to introduce myself and describe myself that's who I am that's what I think of myself but maybe I take CS as a minor or it's a double major or something they perfectly welcome and belong here
0: we and that's why I think like a lot of people they know that community is what you make out of it and that experience of saying like sometimes yeah a community doesn't find you you've got to find that community and find what speaks to you and I think that's a lot what people need to take into account but good words good words so i guess this is a student group that wrote in this question so student groups looking to build community amongst cs students often face major obstacles in bureaucracy when trying to do things like book groups and bayhead (laughs) <laughs> I can hear the sighs already. Yeah. Is the department doing anything to streamline this process? Yes, we are. <laughs> That's the most enthusiastic I've seen today. Well,
1: just I have a really great answer for you. So Sorry. we've um, recently created a staff position called the Undergraduate Program Manager. And uh, Janine Hubbard started in that position in mid-December. And so she's responsible for basically all the non-technical Aspects of the CS undergrad program. So anything that's not technical CS. Um, and in, that includes interfacing with our student groups and clubs. So, as you can imagine, <laughs> our undergraduate program is complicated.
0: It's complicated. And
1: big. <laughs> and uh, th- more than 3,000 students. And profs and grad students and courses and exams and all kinds of other things. And so Janine is just really just getting her bearings. She still had less than a month to be here. But already she's started to meet with some of the clubs. And she will be uh, doing what I wished I could have done and never seemed to have time (laughs) to do, which was to spend more time helping our various clubs with their...
0: uh, Requests.
1: (laughs) Well, or their direction, I'll I'll still be available a little bit to do some advising where it touches on the CS side, Uh but she's gonna streamline all the processes about rooms and constitutions and funding and the things that don't require you to understand what a balanced search tree is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So where do they go for the balanced search tree? (laughs) I'll do that.
1: (laughs) I like balanced search trees.
0: All right. So I guess that leads into the next part of the uh, huge wait lists for upper-year CS courses. So we got a few complaints about wait lists and amount of spots and course offering times for CS courses. Personally, the fourth-year database course, which I'm sad, is not available this year.
1: (laughs) And are you in fourth or third? Fourth, fourth year. Oh, I'm sad. I'm sorry for you.
0: Uh, I'm sorry Uh. for myself at this point. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, OK. So yeah. uh, the the reason that we have huge wait lists in upper ESCS courses really is because the courses are so terrific. <laughs> um, but seriously, many yeah. students uh, realize the value of computer science courses and want to take them. So yeah. we see our own students wanting to take more courses than are even required for their degrees. Yeah, I know there's a few students who are like, oh, I need one more credit to get this degree. But more than often is the case where students say, yeah, I've already met my degree in my but I want to learn about databases, and so yeah. I was hoping to take this other Oh, course. the
0: third-year courses are like, especially the third-year courses, where it's like, personally, it's like, for me, it's like, oh, I just need the one more half credit in the fourth-year category, but I've already exceeded the third-year category by, like, three or four courses. because right, there's so many cool there's courses, lot.
1: right? Yeah. yeah, and so we're seeing our own students wanting to take more than they need to which we're not really resourced to handle, but we've, and we've talked sometimes about limiting our own students to saying you can only take this many because that's, otherwise there's these long lists and people Mm -hmm. can't get in. Um, But we really don't want to do that. People pay extra.
0: We pay double.
1: (laughs) And so we want you to have access, primary access to the courses. We also see students who aren't studying CS at all wanting to take our courses and they Mm -hmm. are limited to only three 1.5 well, point, 1.5 FCEs of third and fourth year courses um, and that it's a lot of those yeah. students on the wait lists. Uh, oh so, really
0: so it doesn't limit them beforehand or or, or, um, or I mean like well, are those people waiting
1: for courses and then hoping to switch from that course to another course like they ah. still have to drop something else.
0: Oh, okay so it's like yeah. they're they're taking like three or four three or four like four CS things but they can only take three, but they're all on the wait list. But they're like on, on the wait list for, for the all... one they really want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so that's why they but, have the other and three. And the reason
1: that they end up on the wait list is because they have a less priority for They, they have can't a priority. sign up for courses until the people in the CS post have had their window to sign up. So um, the idea is to give priority, that priority to the students who are in the programs. Yeah. In terms of the fourth year database course... Basically, we don't offer every course every year. And with the field expanding so much, there's all these new topics and new courses, as you say. Um, And so, uh, for example, we have a a new course in parallel.
0: The uh, 367.
1: Which we hope to offer two sections of next year because it's so popular and growing. Um, We also have coming, well, already existing the two third year courses 303 and 304. Oh I'm taking 303 theory. the social information course. Yeah and uh, algorithmic game theory is also a third year course that yeah. wasn't around a few years ago and we have a whole new graphics sequence coming so the 418 is uh-huh. becoming 317. 318 number wasn't available because it's an HCI course ah. but, but we're moving basic learning about computer graphics to third year and mm-hmm. then there'll be two fourth year courses. Two fourth fourth-year. Geometry processing, which is already on the books. Yeah. And then coming next year for the first time, physics based animation. Oh boy. Yeah. So
0: it's <laughs> I, I super excited. I'm <laughs> betting that that physics based animation course is gonna have the wait list out the door. Ah. I'm calling it now. <laughs> the interest for <laughs> that course is going to be out the roof at this point.
1: Yeah, so with those new courses, we can't continue to offer all of the same yeah. old courses or all of the same numbers of sections of old yeah. courses and so sometimes when a course is still something people want we try to offer it alternate years it's a little hard yeah. when you first do that because people yeah. don't know to expect it and then they get caught it. and
0: then it get caught by the yeah. unfortunateness yeah.
1: and so part of the value of having such a terrific research department such a strong department is that um, we get these new courses like physics-based animation in hot new areas from faculty that we hire but um...
0: bring pixar back <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting actually a bit of a side but we found out looking through the old cs yearbooks that pixar's headset came to U uft mm-hmm. m- way back and i believe it's when they were starting around the toy story one era they came to U of T to actually do some talks about animation and well, Bill Reeves
1: is a graduate from here. Uh, I think he was a grad student. Now I've got, I've, <laughs> shoot, I don't have the details right here, yeah. but there's lots of connections. Lots
0: of connections, so. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: as um, a teaching stream faculty member, yeah. it's not blowing my own horn, so I can yeah. tell you that the research stream faculty in this department are really fantastic. They are really top world-class researchers in all kinds of different fields across our department and so the opportunity for those people to teach a course in their area rather than some other course that i got on the books because it's been around forever (laughs) because everyone thinks we ought to have a database course or whatever it is to to let them instead teach the thing that they are currently doing research in is so valuable
0: to you yeah
1: it's so much more exciting even though it feels like oh but i wanted to take this other course well really no you don't you want to take the course from the expert
0: <laughs> that <laughs> is a fair point who's That's... keen
1: etc
0: <laughs> so last topic before we finish up so DCS CS and U of T in the next decade so it's 2020 okay. one decade <laughs> over it, it's been a lot so originally I was planning to have this thing where it's like saying like oh okay well if you had like lived 10 years ago 2009 uh so i basically i based this off of a movie. Okay. <laughs> so there's an indie movie where this guy goes into a coma at the end of 1999 and wakes up in 2016. Okay. So, and his challenge is facing with like all this technology because it's like from like no cell phones to like cell phones, tablets, yeah. TV, HD television. So, over the next decade, so are you concerned about the influence of the tech industry on academic computer science? And might the demands tech companies have at their job candidates influence what the department teaches undergrads? If so, do you think this is a problem? Why or why not? Okay. This is way too much of an essay question, but I, <laughs> I love the person who wrote this. was the same person oh, so who wrote the same, in, intuitively. Right.
1: OK. Um, so I don't think it's a problem for our department, not the influence of it. Mm-hmm. Um, our faculty are simply too strong. As I said, they're the, they are the leaders in the research um, or too opinionated <laughs> to be swayed that significantly in terms of curriculum content or curriculum decisions. That doesn't mean, though, that we don't have a challenge around the fact that our discipline is so tightly coupled to a quickly changing industry. So that's still, that's a huge challenge for us. I don't think your your question that your listener asked about, will you be influenced by the the tech industry to change the curriculum? No. But the challenge is that... um, How do we stay relevant in the fashion industry? So computer science is, a degree in computer science has never been a purely academic pursuit. We're always Mm -hmm. thinking about skills and knowledge that our graduates need to succeed in industry and how they relate to the science of computing. And our goal, when you talk about the 10-year thing, our goal is to prepare students for the next 10 years of their career um, so that they can adapt as those technologies change. Not to just, we often try to use the newest version of Python or Git or whatever it is yeah. and the newest techniques in some of our courses so that you experience it. But really, we're trying to prepare you for 10 years out and to teach you things so that you can be changing as the technology changes and ready to keep learning on your own in that way. Um, we're definitely influenced by the changes in the tech industry because they but we also try to really remain focused on the fundamental long-lasting and concepts. Long-lasting as well.
0: So where do you see the department in 10 years?
1: Oh, that's a terrible question <laughs> to end with.
0: Um, well,
1: at the rate we're going, I wonder if we might be a school of computing in ten years, but um, there's a lot of advantage too to staying in the Faculty of Arts and yeah. Science. So it's hard.
0: Yeah, I know uh, like that's always been. Maybe in the past few years, i I know you've gotten that question so many times. It's like, why are we not our own? Our oh, own n- school. Our own school. Or like or engineering. Why
1: are we not part of engineering? Those are well, the three questions I get. Three questions.
0: It's like, why are we not engineering? Why are we not separate? And why are we with arts and science?
1: Science, yeah. And uh, and so right now in arts and science, the dean has been coming through for us big time with okay. resources for hiring and resources for um, new computing upgrades to our labs and our buildings, et cetera. Um, and being part of computer, being part of arts and science means that as undergrads. You have huge access to the resources of all those different departments and courses. So from yeah. your perspective as an undergrad, I think being part of arts and science is a, a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, but it's it's thinking 10 years out. If we kept growing at this rate, we would eclipse so, a big chunks of arts and science. So. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know.
0: 10 years is a long ways away. I will be
1: retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you,
0: Professor, for taking the time out of your business schedule. I know this has been, personally, it's like almost a two-month process to get this fully up and running and being able to talk through it and being able to give people that whole perspective on what these new changes mean to them, to people going forward because I, I personally uh, the reason why I want to really do this was that is that even as an ambassador it's like I am supposed to be sort of like front line with what the department's trying to look for but in the end like students are the ones that are telling other incoming students and if, if they're not as informed as we are then people down the line get less and less information and sort of negative effects so at least being able to sort of explain to everybody and sort of gain an appreciation for at least because these are very substantial changes and personally i believe that these this is a right step a step in the right direction for the department and for students well-beings and the future so thank you and you're welcome that's where <laughs> all right awesome well this concludes the episode and thank you everyone for listening it's been Oh, about an hour and ten minutes. So, got that through. If you have any more questions, you can always reach out to the undergrad office or Professor Craig herself. And we hope you have a great week. This is Nurtin signing off on Room 2250, Season 3.